0: You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode
1: is brought to you by Impact Dynamics. And now, over to your hosts.
2: Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Uh, My name is Rusty. This is episode 117, despite me putting it up on Patreon on the live feed as episode 116. Sorry, Patreon supporters, if you are watching. Joining me in the studio, well, we call it studio, in the room tonight. Uh, to my right, Andy Little. How are you, mate?
0: I'm doing well, thanks.
2: Good, and over there, Bronny Jackman. How you doing, mate? I'm going all right. And you? Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Good. You looking nervous? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Okay, good. I guess we don't have any mirrors in you know, here. We're so all counting on him for the wisdom. <laughs> You're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, Out of luck today. <laughs> Oh, uh, good. Well, uh, what are we? We're we're something June early early in June, and we've had a pretty busy, exciting May. Well, I certainly have. Uh, how about you guys?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty full on. Mm-hmm. Last weekend, I was flat out with birthdays. <laughs> yes, so good. Unfortunately, missed the range that weekend, but yeah, you know, family commitments.
2: Well, Bronte and I made up for it. We yeah, We done a bit of shooting
1: and a bit of got away for a full driving trip slash so shooting trip. Oh, I can't argue with that. Oh, got a, got nice. to
2: hear about that. What went on? <laughs> 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 All right, look. It sounds like I asked no, the no, wrong no, question. No, no, no. Good fun. Um, there were a few
1: lessons learnt, not necessarily by myself. but okay. you know, Some of these people that grow up in the city don't realise that you don't drive over rabbit warrens.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> it seems to be quite an obvious thing to me, but yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So the poor old ranger got belly down on the rabbit warrens,
2: <sighs> no. but fortunately the
1: winch came to the rescue. So no okay. digging involved it was pretty pretty entertaining, but it was good fun.
2: And and did the rabbits? Uh, Feature as well throughout the the other activities on the weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and the foxes as well, which oh, wow. was quite surprising yep. because they normally do a bit of baiting in that area. Mm. Um, so it's the first time that I've been there and had substantial foxes. I think we've sort of got twenty odd foxes over the weekend, nearly. Oh wow! Okay, that's
2: good. That's good effort. Yeah, right. And quite a few cats. So well, that's even better. Oh, cats, cats are worth at least three foxes. Oh, at least, right, Andy?
0: Yeah, they're pretty sneaky. Yeah, yeah I don't usually see many around. All ah, yeah, right. When I've been out, you've still been fooled.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we That's actually got a couple in the daylight, which was quite entertaining. There was one
2: down in the creek that thought he was safe, but he was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've told this story, but I remember once heading up to a, uh, a property and we were driving up and we were on the road that the property was on. We we're getting there and this cat ran across the road. Dutchie was in the car actually. And we pulled up and. Pulled out the side of the road, and we all four of us jumped out and just ran after this cat into this paddock. Um, didn't really think it through because we had nothing to do. You know, we, we'd just be literally grabbing it by hand if we ever caught it. We didn't. We were just pretty excited about being way hunting and <laughs> um, and saw a cat. We tried. We tried, and um, I'm not sure we did much else because we were probably all worn out from the from the run at the beginning of the trip. <laughs> anyway, that's all right. And then uh, we shot a comp on the weekend. fronty and I shot the same comp. We did. Yeah. We did. That's, uh, that's kind of cool, and we we're only missing you, Andy. It's a, you know, you a shame. You're busy partying. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like I like the way you said that, just you don't care. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good.
0: It's my, it's my normal Thursday night.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Thursday night, big night. Uh, so we shot a Rimfire Comp, uh, practical shooting essay, our local club, and Bronte did pretty well. He got the People's Win.
1: Yeah, I think that's just like an encouragement award.
2: No, well, okay. So you came third
0: overall. Participation I think, award.
2: Yeah, pretty much. One. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: the, that's the ticket.
2: Yeah, you came third out of two, so that was pretty good.
0: At least it's uh, not as bad as the most improved,
2: because that's is that what you got? Is it? Andy? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I always get <won't do> that. <laughs> um, so we ended up. Uh, what do we have? Like eighteen people or something? Sixteen. Yeah, it was about that. Something, it was, something it was, like that. Yeah, a reasonable number. Yeah. So I was happy. I came in fifth. I was pretty stoked with that. Uh, and then who was between you and I? I don't remember. Um. Dave, maybe? Could be. Yeah, could be. Probably was yeah, Dave. Yeah, he was Dave, he's, he's pretty he, good. Dave, yeah, and then, uh, then you're in third, but, but let's clarify why we think you won. Because the guys who came in first and second came in on the same score and only only uh, came uh, decided by time, um by about 10, 15 seconds on a stage. So Simon Plush came in first and uh, Travis Harris came in second, right? Both on 72 or whatever. It doesn't doesn't matter. Except that all the stages that we used for the weekend were designed by Trav, right? For the Monado meltdown, Mm. and he came effectively equal first. And Simon was the match director, and he came first.
0: And so Simon also shot the. He shot the meltdown as well before. He's had experience mm. on, so on those based, barricades.
2: Based on that, we we pretty much disqualified those two guys for um for what's the what's the word insider trading and um therefore we took a vote and uh, the vote was out of one and it was my vote and I voted Bronte the winner. So what, I'm Bronte? Good job. I guess you got to win by technicality occasionally. <laughs> well, let's give it some more clarity. You do what, have an excuse. What was your what was your good
1: excuse? Well, it was only right that I let Simon beat me. Mm. Um, on the basis that I was borrowing his gun, that's right. And the, the first shot that I fired in the competition was the first time I actually ever shot that yeah. rifle.
2: Yeah, so I mean, like you, you won by miles,
1: mate. In saying that, mm. as much as I wanted to condemn those Ruger precisions, just because you want to pick on them, it <laughs> shot really bloody well. Yeah, I, was <laughs> I, I ask actually you really couldn't. I, I couldn't fault it. It yeah, was okay. Um, the shots that I missed, hundred percent me, mm. and uh, it. Little,
2: yeah, little piddly twenty two projectile exactly where I pointed it. So brilliant! Can't argue with that. Okay, very good. Well, well done. Congratulations on your moral victory. And you uh know, yeah, I think I I'd, I'd take the claim. So therefore, I came third. Oh, I'm happy with oh, that. Oh, three on the there you Go giddy <laughs> up! Nice. Smashed you, Andy. Yeah. Smashed you, mate. That's all right. Um, and so going back a, a a match there was a match after before that, the weekend before that, you shot Andy. What was yep. that? That was the, what's that called? The Precision Rimfire Challenge. Practical, I think. Practical, practical Rimfire Challenge. Practical yeah, rimfire. PRC. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: That was the uh, the night shoot. Um, How was
2: that? Yeah, that was
0: really cool. And, um, you know, well done to the guys who set that all up and put in the massive hours and the time to and the effort to set up all the lights, the targets, um, you know, just the stages in general. They were really involved, um, really good variety. And, yeah, I was pretty impressed with all the, extra lighting they had to run around everywhere and yeah no it was really good fun
1: yeah i haven't actually shot one of those matches myself but i have went to the first one they put on and yeah you know, credit where credit's due mm. they did a sensational job mm. um you know very creative with their targets and there was some pretty pretty cool stuff they were doing and it was you know fantastic to see mm. Mm. absolutely
2: well, they, they certainly take a big inspiration from the IPSC side of things and, doing, and yeah. all that all that uh, additional dynamic and, and some of the scoring from that as well yeah,
0: yeah, I love how you can you can pretty much. Well, it's it's similar to IPSC as you can get without running a handgun. I think. But
2: well, they can, do IPSC rifle. Yeah, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, often the scoring in in PRC is like a combination of PRS style scoring and uh, IPSC scoring. Yeah, right. Okay. As well. Anyway,
0: I learn something new every day. So, so I enjoy ha- it.
2: What, what was it like shooting night match?
0: Uh, it was really good. Um, obviously, at night time, your depth perception's a little bit out. Um, <laughs> Mine's not great during the day, but <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Would that... M- well, that's a silly <laughs> question, think- but it's only 22s. You're only relatively close
0: yeah. range. Does it matter? Not, not 100% much? sure. I think the furthest target might have been about 75.
2: Okay, so it matters enough depending on the size of the target.
0: Yeah, some yeah. of them were quite small. I did miss some close ones because uh, I held uh, high, thinking they were really close. But they, they weren't I, as I went, close as yeah,
2: you thought. I went yeah. over. Um, yeah, they, they have I've, I've, The one match I shot, Bronnie, they, they had some really tiny, like we're talking, mm. like I know no one can see at home, but um, they <laughs> You 20, can imagine what I'm doing piece, right now. Um, 20 cent piece, sort of size. Yeah, yeah, if not less, actually, that match yeah, I shot. Had, well,
1: yeah. after that first match, I had a bit of a, I think they did a challenge of shooter v shooter. Yes, that was with great. With the KYL rack. Yeah. And yeah. that last yeah. target on the KYL rack was. Yes. Was, <laughs> was Tiny. Pretty bloody small.
0: Yeah. You just kind of aim for the stem, I think.
1: <laughs> that may have been part of the strategy when I shot it. <laughs> Good
2: move. Yep. Good move. So, yeah, okay. And was it, was it it? did you have a spotlight or were the targets lit up or were you just yeah, shooting so in the dark and then work out afterwards what you hit?
0: Yeah, so most of the stages had their own lighting. Um, okay. There was one stage you used your own light or you borrowed a torch from someone else. Yep. Um, and then one of the stages was complete. Darkness, but they used uh, – it's like not glow-in-the-dark paint, but it re- it, it gets bright um, with infrared – not infrared. What are they called? Ultraviolet? Ultraviolet. That's the one. Oh, okay. So they painted the targets with that, and then they had some ultraviolet. They had blue lights or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So glow. the targets would just glow. Yeah, they'd glow a little bit. But after mm. a while, after they'd been shot a few times, it was quite hard to see the, yeah. See yeah. the glow. <laughs> the lead splatter.
1: <laughs> yep. Were you permitted to use um, like illuminated reticles? Because that I would have thought would be a pretty damn good advantage in that
0: sort yes, of setting. Yeah, um, that's going to be an upgrade. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer was yes, but you yes. didn't have one. Yep. yep. Um, okay. Especially on yeah, a couple of them really stroked because the other ones were low light or they'd have flashing lights, so it would sort of you know you'd only see a reticle for a, a split second. Um, but most of the time, I was holding like center scope because I couldn't see my reticle. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Just, yeah. I've got to say I never used to, and that was because I had really shitty cheap scopes at the time, and I was yeah. doing a lot of spotlighting when I was younger. But now having better, mm. you know, better quality scopes, mm. I'd use illumination spotlighting all the time. But yep. It just gives sure. you so much nicer point of aim. Yep. Really crisp. Really clean. No doubt where your mm. where your crosshairs are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Certainly, when I was spotlighting a lot. Um, if I had illumination, mm. yeah, it would be on. It'd be on. Look really low. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, enough to just, to, pick just gives up. it a little bit of extra contrast. Yeah. yeah, but it was uh, it was good. Um, yeah, I think I came fifth. I think came fifth. I adult. think. Okay. I
0: think of a fifty. It's well, not a bad result. So
2: yeah, forty-seven or something. Yeah. Anyway, fifty-ish. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that's that's so
0: really I was pretty, good. Pretty happy with that. Mm. Um, considering there were a few stages where it was very low light, and I just you know was. Guessing half the time, so I was pretty pretty <laughs> stoked with that. What could possibly go wrong. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, and yeah. congratulations to Sean Milner. Yes. Yep. From STS Targets for taking it out. Mm, done, absolutely, that's a good done well, Sean. Done well. I know he, he's he's the. Can be a bit of a dark horse. Like a lot, of, he always mm. downplays how much practice he doesn't do and this and that. But, yeah, but comes nobody out. ever admits doing lots of practice in case they have a
1: bad day.
0: <laughs> no, I'll definitely admit to doing no practice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, m- mind you, I have had actually had the opportunity to shoot his Anschutz twenty-two that, mm. that he's got. That thing Two sides stink. Oh, two hundred meters. You're putting a yeah two inch group at two hundred meters with a twenty-two.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, nice. You can't
1: root half. Off. In my experience, I've never seen Rimfire shoot much better than that. Yeah, right. Huh. So but obviously that doesn't take away the fact you still have
2: to do it. Oh, yeah, part, you've got to perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. And uh, we'll wind the clock back a little bit more and we end up at the uh, Kestrel Monado Meltdown, which uh, none of us shot. Woohoo! <laughs> we all headed down for a, You were there for a part of a day. Uh, Brandy, yeah, yeah,
1: unfortunately, life then,
2: got in the way of that. No, one. Life, and then, um, Andy, you were, you were yep. a target bitch <laughs> as well as uh, helping on
0: stages. Yeah, I'm pretty glad that helicopter hat didn't come out. I was sort of <laughs> dreading that. I was like, oh, when's this bloody hat gonna get pulled out? And anyway, <laughs> I think yeah. everyone forgot. Yeah, <laughs> good, good. Um, yeah, no, I had a really great time. Um, it was actually mm. really enjoying um, the other side of how a match works. Okay. Just setting stuff up, um, yep. being first up, running down range, setting up targets. Yeah, it was pretty cool to be a part yeah. of all of that.
2: Do you find that you learnt a fair bit, like, observing a match? I mean, not observing, you were, you were hands-on in it, but, like, uh, a lot of people think, oh, just, you know, you, you don't actually get to shoot and therefore mm. you just, you know. What, what was your experience from doing it?
0: Yeah, so I think... um definitely take away a lot just by watching other people, how they, how they set up, they make sure they, they go over, they check everything before they, before that beep goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just obvious things like, yes, remember that. Cause that's how I'll run that stage if I ever see it again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just so like, did you
1: notice, uh, obviously, you know, that sort of event, there's not ad shooters as such, but there are some guys that are mm. always at the top and I'll always perform mm. very well. Mm did you notice much difference in the differing levels of experience and how they approach the stages you're on? Because obviously, you know, the guys that have been shooting for a while have, have seen a lot of these things Mm. or something very similar before. Did they all kind of do it the same way or was there variation in the top guys or was
0: there? Yep. I think, I think the main thing is the guys who, um, are more experienced and know exactly what position and what tools they're going to use on the stage. Yep. Do, do well. Um, because I was, I was on the the kayak uh, stage. Yep. And just the position, the awkward position sitting in that kayak and trying to get stable. Um, mm. Obviously, some people have done that sort of skill where you're lying back and shooting, like, off your leg, I believe. Mm. Yep. Not sure what that skill is, but they, <laughs> you know. I'm not
2: really sure what you're doing here anyway, but <laughs> um, hopefully our Patreon supporters yeah. could let us know. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, <laughs> but obviously though. they've been in that sort of awkward position position or sitting position with their legs out Mm -hmm. stretched in front and they knew exactly what to do, whether that's um, putting a bag between their knees and holding the bag with their knees and the rifle on that, leaning back or leaning forwards over uh, their backpack.
2: Um,
0: They just knew how to run that where other people um, would sort of try one thing, not get comfortable, move around side to side, forwards, back and then get comfortable and then maybe squeeze off three or four shots and that's And then hear that beep. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I yeah, did I see think.
2: a couple of guys uh down sit down by by the cars there and um on that stage and like assume the position with their bag and yep. pretending to hold a rifle and just just practicing in. Mm. I guess that's that's often the guys who are uh yeah a bit more serious or have more experience at you know spending that time rather than just chatting away actually mm. doing some of that. Because I don't
0: think that I think the target was only I think that might have been the two hundred meter target. It wasn't yeah, very far away. could further. And no. a, and a was only, I think, a six-inch square, six by six, I think. Okay, yeah. was it eight? I anyway. You fixed but it. <laughs> yeah. But it was a reasonably generous target, but obviously mm. the that awkward position. And mm. Some people knew exactly what to do and others just fumbled around a bit. Mm. And I think that's what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, just mm. knowing what position to get into. There mm. Any other lessons you took away from, from uh, being a stage officer for the weekend? Uh, no, I pretty much know everything.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep, fair enough. Good um, job. <laughs>
0: uh, I don't so know. you'll no. be
2: you'll be winning Steelpocalypse yeah. then uh, at Little <laughs> no. River. It'll be uh, all I you.
0: I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure something will spring to mind in a minute.
2: Yeah, that's all right. Um, good, yeah. good. Enjoy yourself.
0: Yes, yep. yeah, I did. And yep. Bronny,
2: from, from your point of view, walking around and just sort of seeing as the uh, casual observer, um, and obviously having seen... Plenty of um, of club matches run on that, that same range. What were your thoughts on it? Oh, I thought it was a, a really well set up event.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think they made great use of the range with the number of shooting positions they had. Mm. Um, because one of, the, one of the challenges with a range environment when you've got too many stages too close together is yep. was that my beep or your beep or was that for me or you or mm. that sort of thing? Um, I think how they laid that out and sort of had that sort of staging area back a little bit further Behind was yes. a, a really, really well, um, yeah. well thought out setup of that range, and uh, I think it went, from what I saw,
2: it looked like it was running really, really well. Could, um, one, one little point that I'd, for anyone listening, if you are shooting PRS match, club match, or whatever you're shooting, if you hear a beep, and and unless you're the only one on the entire range doing it, right, um, if you hear a beep, keep shooting until your your RO tells you to stop because uh, the the chances of you hearing a beep from somewhere else is really high and all you should be focused on is, is doing your shooting. And then, you know, often a good RO will say time or stop or something along those lines when the beep goes off to, to signal to you that it's you to Mm. stop Mm. and so uh, I highly encourage you I see too many guys hear a beep and just stop oh was that Mm. me no keep going (laughs) no no no, keep going
1: keep going oh oh, me oh okay
2: yeah and because they've been standing back with the other you know with the other the guys watching and they hear that they get attuned to a beep that's relatively quiet because they're you know Mm. 5, 10 metres back from the beep, then when they're right next to it, it sounds about the same volume. It's actually the next stage over, which is still, you know, 10, 15 metres away. Um, so it's not really close. And then when they do hear the correct beep, they'll know about it because mm. it's quite loud. But tell you what, just keep shooting. Just keep shooting until, until <laughs> someone tells you, hey, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> just relax. Um, yeah, you're much better off to do that because, you know, if they, if they tap you on the shoulder and, mm. yeah, you know, that's when to stop, then okay, great. Shoot. Anyway, so yeah. side, side
0: note. Yeah, so it's something else I just thought of then um, picked up um, mm. being on a stage is the spotting experience is definitely worthwhile. You just, gain, gain a lot? Yeah, just being able to have like good focus downrange and just see what the other people are doing and where they're hitting. Or not um, hitting? Or not hitting. Because um, I don't know about other spotters, but I usually like to place myself where I can see out of out one side, I can see the shooter and see what's happening. Yep. And then as soon as I see them sort of settle into a position, I'm looking down range. Um, and yeah, oh, it was just good to see also where they're impacting. Some people would constantly hit high and I'm not sure if they're not seeing their splash or not seeing, but they wouldn't correct. Um, and you know, they'd just zero or maybe get one hit. Mm. Other people would be dancing all over and some people would miss one and do that single correction and then just nail it. Yep. And I think that, um, yeah, being able to spot your impacts or misses, yeah, it would be huge. And just for, as a spotter, just being able to see the, you know, next time I'm shooting, okay, that's what I'm looking for. If I miss, you know, that yep. little kick of dust or that little kick
2: of dirt, starting to read mm. read the full shot really well. Mm. Yeah. Best part of learning while you're spotting is someone else is paying for the ammo.
0: For yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
2: it. Which is good. Just a Mm. a
1: bit of a a left field one. Mm -hmm. Do any of you guys look at where other people have hit the target and then sort of... um, It's more so on your very first shot. Look at where everybody else is hitting on the target Mm -hmm. and then give that a bit of a guide to what you think the wind's doing? 100%. Yeah. Because I I noticed that really quite uh, prevalent on the the rimfire match Mm -hmm. that I shot. There was one particular stage at about 75 metres and you look at the target, there was like two impacts... On the right hand side of the target, and, and the else. left <laughs> side of the target was grey. <laughs> yeah, was <laughs> like someone put a piece of masking tape down
2: the middle and mm. only painted half the target. It was unreal, well, like that. On Saturday, which was the it was the fire shoot before the rimfire shoot, and I, I wasn't shooting. I was, um, I was rowing that one, and and uh, we went. We came to the last stage In the seventh stage. Everyone, both squads, came together and we shot together because it was a 20-second 20, 20 stage, five shots, twenty seconds at five hundred meters. Right, reasonably generous plate. Yeah, But you just needed to rattle them off fairly quickly. So good, competent shooter. Should be no problems. At least get three hits out of five, probably five. And and, and as newer guys we, were going, they should at least get a couple uh, a couple rounds off and, and go from there. So it wasn't it wasn't a hard stage. Good, fun stage. And so fun that we got through 13 or 14 shooters. And I'm like, see, I've got a spare gun that I might be able to have a crack on this stage with. And I'd spotted for 12 or 13 people at this stage, and all of them, Left and high, all of them. Yeah, left and high, left mm. and high, and and plenty of guys hitting, but all of them except one dude, like uh, uh, Dave Pierce, every shot right in the middle. <laughs> so yeah, that, nice. That sounds about right for you. I think he won actually. Um, no surprise there. But anyway, Greg Hamilton uh, pops up and goes, "Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I've I've got ten rounds that I need to burn off. I don't I don't want to take home with me. I'm like, cool. I'll, I'll use five if I can, and only because uh, I took." 20 seconds to play with his gun, to get to the trigger, and then also because I'd spotted for 13 people, I managed to put five pretty much on the center for exact reasons that you're talking about, Brandy. Where I'd, I'd watched so many guys, they're all left or slightly, you know, mm. just off or on the left hand side of the target. So I aimed far right, yeah, that's <laughs> and right, and put them all on the middle. And I went, and you know, and I think I did it in 12 seconds or something. And people were like, oh wow, I'm like, I cheated. I, <laughs> yeah, like, I was just watching everybody else. I, I just, I you know, like. Yeah, I hit him, but, but I only hit him because I watched tw- 13 other guys <laughs> go and do it. So, yes, yeah, it has a big advantage. Big mm-hmm. advantage. And that's where um, we, were, we had uh, Travis Harris in here last night. We we're doing a live video. And one of the things that we we're talking about, about some equipment he was thinking about buying, was one of them being binos, because it, it is really advantageous to watch three or four shooters in front of you, not only watch what they do, but watch where their bullets go.
1: Watch what the dust does when it yeah. gets around. Because <laughs> mm.
2: there, there is a real, you know, some rangers. You're never going to pick it; it switches too much, you know. Um, but uh, other ranges, you know, might get a good consistent wind for however long, and and you can get a bit of a feel for it. Mm. Bernardo's probably a little bit more like that; it's not quite as switchy as some ranges. Yeah, it's it, it gets windy, but it's, it's yeah pretty consistent. You get a bit of movement in the wind, but you don't get like real switchy. Oh, winds. It's not,
1: you know, now it's blowing left, now it's blowing right.
2: It's kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it does it it, it swings around a little bit, but anyway. That's cool. Um, good. So Meltdown was a good experience generally all round. Food was yeah. a good Saturday night. You were there yeah, for that, that was, Andy?
0: Yep. Oh. That was great. Oh.
2: Those American, boys did a good job. American mm. barbecue. That was uh, Those boys are competition barbecuers and that was, uh, yeah. There wasn't was much really left good. over, I think. There, there was, was th- none left <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah. So, so the
1: report that I got through the person that cooked it yep. was that there was 55 of you or something like that and he'd catered for 85. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That doesn't surprise me at all. Actually, <laughs> that was that was really good. Mm. That was really good. Um, got would do that again. Yeah. Actually, he came out on. He was there on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, he was in our He, was an he, he, he cooked. Ride. We we often have a barbie at the at the the range at the, for the matches, and uh, he cooked just the standard. Barbie.
1: Oh, he complained bitterly about having to use gas rather than charcoal. Yeah, that's right.
2: But. (laughs) Hey, don't blame me. That was the best damn barbecue we've ever had. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It was good. Good. All right. Sweet. Uh, The other thing that was in there in the last, we're still just like reviewing what happened the last month. It's been Mm. a big month. Um, Hunt Expo, went over to Hunt Expo in Melbourne. That was like the, the weird offshoot. Someone else started type thing out of Shot Expo, Hunt Expo. Anyway. It was a good show. They had about eleven thousand people come through the doors wow. over two days. Um, I did notice selling projectiles and selling scopes. That I got asked for a lot more hunting projectiles and a lot more hunting scopes mm. than I you know, normally do at those sort of shows. Uh, don't sell too many target sort of gear,
0: mm.
2: uh, but heaps of heaps of you know ballistic tips, this and SSTs that, and all, you know, all that sort of gear was was really popular. Acubons mm. and barns.
1: ELDXs.
2: Um, little bit, yeah. I
1: gotta say those one forty three LDXs are yep. the most horrible projectile on game I've ever seen. They oh, really? Just destroy things. I wasn't they sure are. where you were going there.
2: Oh. I was like, yes, <laughs> I
0: use them. They're yeah. vicious. <laughs> <laughs> They're
2: absolutely vicious. Mm. Well, that that brings me to a point I wanted to bring up because uh, uh, there's there's a few new products around, and and finally has hit the the ninety grain LDXs here in six mil. Um. I am wondering, because probably the most popular projectile sell-through projectile warehouse is 87-grain VMAX, 6 mil,
1: And there's a really good reason for them, because they're the best BC projectile that you can stabilise in 1 in 10. That's relatively easy to get your hands on.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, um, I'm wondering whether these are a uh, are a contender for that. Um, Andy, do you want to reach into that cupboard over there? You should have enough room on your, your emails, or maybe not. And uh, next one along... Yep, somewhere there. So the Hornady rack you see directly in front of you should see six mil. Should be some ELDX 90 grainers. I was going to see what they did um, on what they recommend twist rate. Pretty embarrassing if it wasn't on the box. It's not on the box. No, not in the box. Therefore, it works in everything. That's how these things work.
1: Because I previously, when I saw they were coming out, I did a little bit of research and had a bit of a look on their website and there mm. wasn't anything up at that stage. No. That okay. was a little while ago. All right. Well, um, we'll because I'm particularly interested
2: if they do stabilise in a 1 in 10. Mm, absolutely. Andy's put his head back in the cupboard. He's now <laughs> We've lost might, him now. He might need
1: to do a stock take after <laughs> he's gone. He's, check his pockets <laughs> on the way out.
2: He's, uh, he's, uh, he's found something else he likes. <laughs> what, what, what have you found, mate? 90, 95 grain in the nozzles. He's working, trying to work out if they're going to stabilise. Um, doesn't doesn't look like doesn't look like it's got a uh, recommended twist rate, which usually would mean it'd be working default. But I guess you, anyway, someone someone will tell us if if you're listening, you've tried them um, or you want to try them. Anyway, if you yeah, have tried them. i warehouse. I've in <laughs> <even> stock. <stopped. laughs> um, uh, check them out. They'll be good. The other thing, that, while we're on the Hornady webpage, I see that some of those A-tips have started uh, arriving in places in the US. Unfortunately not here yet, but some places in the US and the reviews are starting to creep out a little bit about them. Mm. Apparently good, Brondie.
1: I've heard that and apparently they're pretty good on game as well, which is yeah. not unsurprising. Mm. Um, mm. But, hey, if you're... Pushing that distance, you know, you're looking in that ELR territory. Mm. You know, you're you, good consideration. It's definitely worth it if you're getting the extra consistency that they're spruking.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd, we, be, it'd be it'd be it'd take time to see, or hopefully we get them here shortly in, in Australia and we can check for ourselves. But yeah, mm. certainly, I mean, they're more expensive. We all know that that's the way they're going to be. But yeah, but if you want quality, you pay for it. Yeah, that's it's pretty in. much. Life is unfortunately, yeah. That's it. Uh, speaking of quality, um, also have uh, this. This is the sponsor's plug, this is the actual little plug. Um, uh, for the Harris bipods, finally, um, have some mono uh, what do we call them? Pod locks. What do you, I don't know what you call them. The little levers that allow you to like lock down the cant or or not on the swivel bipods. So, an absolute must have for a Harris bipod, oh, yeah, for 25 bucks or something like that. And they're, yeah. um, yeah, they're, they're really, really they're really, good. <laughs> They're really good. I've had one for years and been like meaning to get them in stock forever. And then went. someone actually went, oh, I need two of those. I went, yeah, this is probably a good excuse to actually start mm, getting them in. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I saw uh, that the LA 105s from IFCO are actually Woo. starting to ship next mm. week. So we should start seeing them pop up at comps mm. over the coming months. It'd be great to see. Finally. Really good to see. Yeah. Because I remember doing a podcast about them <laughs> a couple of years ago now, and yes. uh, I was really excited about them, and I guess still am. Mm. Um, they they look the goods; they're meant to be good. They, I mean, I've seen plenty of accuracy reports from the from uh, guys I know that work at Lithco, and mm. they shoot real well. So uh, yeah, that's. Exciting times! Hopefully, hopefully, some of our listeners we able to have them on order and, and tell us what they what they're going like. So send us photos. Or oh, anything absolutely! Like that. Yeah, mm. it'd be great to hear mm. about
1: them, and it's good to see us you know Australian made product. Mm. Mm. And it'd be great to see it on the line because I'm guessing that it's going to be yeah pretty a contender. Good contender. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, you really look at your, what you've got in that production class. Yeah, options wise, you mm. know, obviously uh, Tac A1s yeah, are are, stuff. a ones are a pretty good rifle mm. for sure. They're a great rifle. Ah, um, oh, mate, you're one of those, don't you, Andy? Yeah, yeah, mate. Thanks, <laughs> sharing the love. <laughs>
2: yep, yeah, but it'd be it would be great to have uh, have the Lithgow there as another option. Absolutely, particularly the Australian angle. Nothing, like that,
0: so. nothing biased at all. No, nah, not at all. The now you, oh, sorry, go ahead, oh, go just, ahead, Andy. Yeah, I was just saying, it's the um the chassis and stuff they sit in? Are they aim K- more towards the?
2: It's a KIG X-ray. Yep. chassis. So they got
0: the integrated rail and all that sort of stuff. Or are they, no. is this just before? Yeah, the the, oh, yeah.
2: the Whiskey is, I reckon, now have the... Um, do they oh, have the Arcarals, the Gen 6? I don't know yeah, now. Don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Someone hit up Danny at Delta Tactical and ask him. I'm yeah. um, sure he'll tell you. But no, the, the X-rays um, are like the cheaper variant of that yep. chassis and uh, they're, they're a good, solid chassis. Mm-hmm. They're just made to a bit of a cheaper budget. So, yeah. Uh, now, you guys were talking about something from MDT before. What was that?
0: Oh, I saw they've brought out a little... Um Arca rail attachment. Okay,
2: let's um, let's Google that. What was yep. going on there? Was oh, that for the ESS? Yeah,
0: yep. yep. Just, um, i was pretty sure it just bolts straight onto your M lock.
2: Ah, oh, an M lock uh, arc rail from MDT. Okay. Yeah, okay. You're thinking about one of these, eh? Hey?
0: Oh, I was looking around for arc rails. Yeah, is um, this the thing you're I talking think, about? I think it's only yeah. I'm. They're just a short piece. Where I was looking at something to go full length.
2: Ah uh, right, then you'd be you be out of production if you do that. Would I? Yep. Oh okay. <laughs> just so, just so you know. Um <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> That's all right, you can go no and play in the big leads. Sure. Yeah. So okay. It looks like they do up to ten point two five inches. There you go. They, oh, they you do go. a there few there different there. few different options. So from MDT, Mlock Arca Rails. Mm. So check out. Brilliant. All right. Oh, cool. Um any other products, guys, that you've seen? It's not really the time for products, is it? It's just a few things pop no. through. No, excellent. Hey, I'm uh, I'm back training again, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> sort please of. explain. Yeah, uh, we at the at the club. The club is doing a training course. Um, we really
1: needed a portly enhance and please explain <laughs> them. That would have just been <laughs> sensational. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, the look on your face is pretty good, but <laughs> so, yeah, that doesn't doesn't really work across on podcasts. podcast. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we, we're going to run a training course at our club, uh, probably by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be like a week away, but anyway, um, so mm-hmm. hopefully that goes well, some some guys, and I, I think the reason why, um, certainly that I noticed, a lot of guys are at, at our club will come to the club and watch and observe and such, but they don't know how to generate the data, they don't know how to sort of do a, a basic, you know, don't really have a good understanding of... Um, of how to engage with the barricade or or even mm. even sort of a, a good understanding of fundamentals so it's just really about getting some of those it'll be it'll be relatively light on but it will be I mean not it won't be like a full intensive mm. course you can only teach so much in a day but it'll be a session on some fundamentals and then some session on on obtaining data and generating mm. drop charts and such and then some some PRC type stuff with you know some of you guys as well in the afternoon mm-hmm. Um Something like that, I think.
0: Be a, be a top tips session,
2: yeah. I think, or, or second rate tips session, perhaps, but oh. third, fourth, <laughs> tertiary, somewhere down I'm, there. I'm
0: still trying to learn my tips.
2: <laughs> Good. Good. I'm just making them up, um, but the idea is, yeah, to get those guys who are unsure about actually having a go um, at the club level to in a position where they feel they've got enough knowledge to at least play the game. Mm. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, and
1: I mean one of the one of the things. Um, that I think is pretty important is um, you going to have to come up with a bit of strategy for a stage. Sure. Kind of look at a stage, look at a barricade and go, well, hey, this is a really horrible shooting position. I'm not going to have to get very good accuracy there, but I've got to shoot two shots over that before I move to that prone position over there mm-hmm. where it's a really easy target, really stable. Well, I'm just going to rattle those first two shots off and if they hit, woo-hoo, if they're not, well, who cares because I was probably going to miss them anyway. So I've got yep. more time to, to make my last three shots.
2: Yep. And going.
1: some of those sort of strategy mm. things are probably worth.
2: Yeah, and I think I think even if, you, if you're in the habit of making a plan for a stage, even if it's a bad plan, at least being in the habit of making a plan, going ahead, attempting to execute it, goes poorly, cool. I won't make that plan again, but I'll learn how to do it this way. So I think uh, all all those sorts of things um, should be good. And and all it is is to get some guys over the line from, yeah, I don't really know how to, I don't know how my gun works at 300 metres. So I'll just, I I just won't compete. All right, no worries, man. How about if we teach you how to shoot at 300 and 500, then will you you play Mm. the game and come out and Mm. play with us, you know, Mm. shoot?
0: Absolutely. That's That's it. Even if you do have like just a simple duplex scope with with turrets, I mean, you're going to need, Something.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's if you want to get. It's a, it's a I, a help. Don't, I don't know what these noises make, but, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> I mean. but you can certainly – a challenge <laughs> almost – it's a, use, almost a challenge accepted moment. <laughs> you can pretty much get a good five solid aiming marks out of a standard mm. duplex reticle easily. Mm. So, um, that, you know, little things like that, like, you know, you've got that cue, Cool, man. If you, if you zero it at this point, here's what would happen. Mm. And, and, you know, you can make it work. Mm. You can make it work. So.
1: But if you look up a lot of those duplex radicals, they actually will tell you the size of that mm. square. Yep. So, you, you know, know you can correlate that back because most of the duplex are second focal plane. You can correlate that back to a magnification so mm-hmm. you can actually know yep. what your hold needs to be. So you can go, well, i just actually aim at the base of the where the, where the duplex mm. turns mm. into the fat part on nine power. And I'm on it 300 metres. Yep.
2: And wind it out to, you know, seven power for X and, yep. you know, whatever it is. So there are all sorts of ways to play with it. All sorts of ways to play with it. So. There you go. Well, we'll you know, any other, any other questions, Andy? <laughs> 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 do we just like shut you down?
0: Someone's got to ask the questions, you
2: know. <laughs> Absolutely. And Dudgy's not here. So, yeah, someone's got to do it. Right. Um, in other exciting news, uh, more exciting news perhaps than uh, than that, <laughs> and and he's braced himself he's sitting down mate uh SSAA Eagle Park are kicking off practical shoots cool. on hopefully what will be a regular basis bit of a test shoot up first which is this weekend as we record this meaning it's the uh long weekend it? If, it? long weekend yeah it makes it Sunday Saturday Saturday the 8th of June is the um is the first shoot at WSW Eagle Park. And so congratulations to Andrew Iguden, who has done a huge amount of the back end of work to make that happen, as well as Dave Acker, um, who has done uh, a bunch of work on like, course design and stage sign and rallying the troops and getting all the crew together to, to make it all happen. So between those guys and, and certainly others, others involved in there, I want to say congratulations to you guys. Hopefully it's a really good shoot. They, they did indicate that they reckon about 30 people for their first one.
1: It's a good turnout. It's a great, it's a very turnout. good turnout. Hopefully
2: they get it. Um, I was I was debating whether to go over, but it just it's not going to work out. Spend enough time on the bloody road driving around to comps and gun shows that I've just yeah had four weekends. Of you've got on the wall there. <laughs> well, June is like my June is my quiet month from travel. I have no travel apart from PRS at the last weekend, and um, and. Yeah, it sounds like I've got nothing to do, which would be wonderful, except you know how these companies like decide that they've got firearm policies and they really don't like anything to do with guns? Well the gun the, the company that runs the back end website for Projectile Warehouse and Scoped Out is one of these companies that starts getting tighter and tighter with their firearms policies. So I'm spending all of June moving. Awesome. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I'm so jealous. I hope you <laughs> can hear it
2: in my voice. It's just oh, I can only contain my excitement. I can I can tell, mate. I mean, look, if you want to come around on a weekend and help out, you're welcome to, dude. Yeah, just, I just I want to put that offer to you. Yep, cool. Truly <laughs> noted. Yep. Awesome. Lock it, lock it in. Um was next year, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, next June. Um, yeah, so I am uh, currently in the process of moving moving websites, um, which uh anyway found a good company that seemed to uh, be all okay with firearms and no problems with with running websites that are related to that industry and uh, uh, and in, in fact courage it they actually see it as one of their one mm. of their um, um, niches really li- yeah. no nah, perhaps not something what they tailor specifically to but they know that they've got quite a few customers in that in that yeah. area that they, they don't want to do anything to yeah they want to keep them so mm. uh, really good to do that Australian company as well even better. Wonderful. So, anyway, that's uh, that's my exciting June. So, sorry, guys at Eagle Park, or well, congratulations. I'm not coming. I'm not sure which way that goes, <laughs> but either way, <laughs> either way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I can't go on, Rodney. <laughs> You're going to give me a hard time there, aren't yeah. I? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you it sounds like you got you got out of this uh, fairly well, guys at Eagle Park. Good luck. I'll be back there in in end of June, and uh, and we'll make up make up for it then. Gents, we had a question come through on email, uh, which we do like questions that come through um, because they give us something good to talk about. So um, a guy called Tom emailed through and he had uh, a question which I thought would be good for a discussion on tonight's podcast. Uh, he's only recently found the joys of podcasts and such only up to episode 70. Oh, he's going to be disappointed about 39 episodes as he gets to know the uh, (laughs) the crew and then all changes but anyway here you go here you go Uh, please forgive me if this has been covered in another podcast I haven't gotten to you yet I've been shooting for a while but only amateur level compared to where I'd rather be that's all of us Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I've started with some mates with a 22 I've done some traditional peep sight jacket and sling type small bore Uh, I shoot pistols and I've got some fire rifles that uh, far outshoot my current abilities and the Defence Force threw in their outdated ideas as well. Question to you and the team is regarding a best practice zeroing distance. I remember reading an article a while ago arguing against the traditional 100 metre zero as it has no bearing on distances in practical field shooting and rather suggesting that zero distance should relate to the external ballistics of the round you're using. Unfortunately I've got no idea where I read this and can't seem to come up with a decent answer for it myself. Only recently come across the applied ballistic software and transitioned from hillbilly ranging to actually utilising purpose-designed equipment. Sounds like a good upgrade. So, given the more widespread availability of precision equipment such as rangefinders, weather meters, chronographs, and ballistic calculators, is a hundred meters just too easy and so commonplace that it isn't worth pushing against? Uh, two, is there a difference, a different best distance to zero at for f- all firearms and Three is best zero distance, a function of round and purpose. From memory, the argument was suggesting something like zeroing at the distance where the projectile was at its maximum height above bore or or when it crossed bore height. I think he means sight height on those two, but we'll we'll come back to it. Again, on the way back down. Uh, But I can't remember much more than that. I uh, hope you guys have some ideas on the subject. <laughs> we'll make something up. <laughs> um, and have an opinion, at least. Yeah, all that sort of gear. So uh, yeah, let's break it down really simply. Um, he's you know, obviously looking at, at different ways and, and uh, zeroing. Uh, 100 metres too easy and so commonplace it isn't worth pushing against. Let's deal with that one. Any guys got any thoughts on that? Addie's handballed that one straight to Bronte. Cool. Um <laughs> Or do you want to clarify any of the question first? Do you want to? Well, put some to be honest, I actually that?
1: think that his one of his latest statements the about third one? is it a is the is best it a,
2: zero distance a function of round and purpose? Could not agree with that statement
1: anymore. Yep. I think that is that is exactly right. It is a case of function and purpose. Um, what mm-hmm. you want to do with it? What that round is? General rule of thumb for a fire Yep, to 100 meters is a good distance to zero at. And even if I was to have a 200-meter zero, I would actually establish a 100-meter zero first mm-hmm. and then wind it out to 200 meters or 300 meters Just or whatever it is. And then, you know, keep that as my zero. The logic behind that mm-hmm. is 100 meters is um that really sweet spot between... If you if you tried to zero at 1,000 meters, yep. the exterior effects such as wind and all these other wonderful things that you can't control very well. Mm-hmm. You can guess, estimate whatever else, but yep. you can't yep. control those. Can't 100% guarantee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, come into play. At 100 metres, if you get any old ballistic solver and type in the 10-mile-an-hour wind at 100 metres, yep. it doesn't move the bullet very far sure. with the center fire. Yep. Um, so basically by giving you a, a 100 metre zero is a pretty good way of establishing a you know a windage zero. Mm-hmm. And then as far as your vertical zero, for a competition gun, all of mine are 100 metres. Yep. Um, my spotlighting only gun, which is a 204, that's zeroed at 150 metres. Mm-hmm. And the logic behind that is, with that round out to about 230, 240, which is pretty much the...
2: Effective range, you'd be have to do spotlighting anyway. Yep. I'll point and shoot. Gotcha. So, but based on that, I mean, yeah, his his point there is the best zero distance a function of round and purpose is, is what you're talking about there, where you've got one gun that's zeroed at 100 meters because you are using that in competition. So, you need the tightest, solid best zero you can and then you'll make the scope do the work from there absolutely yep Yep. and then the other gun you're you're putting into place something we know as and you know as uh, maximum point blank I cannot whoa thanks Siri Siri can't do it but we can (laughs) okay well good to good to know we've still got a few advantages over Siri she's so nasty (laughs) what do you ask Siri (laughs) she just turns me down all the time (laughs) okay all right now that we've got into Andy's personal life, <laughs> um, <laughs> maximum point blank range uh, is uh, you know is obviously what you're implementing there, and I think that's what uh, our friend Tom here is talking about um, in when he was talking about the. serum should relate to where? Where is it? Uh, yeah, towards the uh, end there. Yeah, that's it. Maximum height above above sight, um, or when it crossed the the bore height again. Um, do you want to explain that one? Yeah, sure. So, so I mean, Andy was asking us this question before about maximum point blank mm. range and, and what it is. So let's say that you are you are shooting something and your effective kill zone on that is six inches. Fair, fair distance. It could be four. depending changes on the game. But let's say it's six inches. So you are effectively trying to get the, your bullet to not go above or below and it's flight path uh, three inches up, three inches down, um, and and have that sort of be centred on that so that your zero point will actually maximise your point-and-shoot range. So you can pretty much point-and-shoot like Rondy has. 150 zero gives him that his bullet won't drop outside of that kill zone until about 230 metres. So anything within that 230 metres with 150 metre zero will go within that four inch yeah inch? something about like that whatever whatever his designated inside a amount. fox basically yeah basically mm. inside a fox it won't it won't deviate beyond that either side uh, from that zero point so you don't aim a bit high you don't aim a bit low you just aim on the fox and as long as it's within the the distance that you're you're aiming for uh you'll you'll drop it um Jimmy nice. do everything else right so it's um is that a, a good way to zero yeah For A hunting rifle, absolutely, it's a really sensible way to zero because, especially in the scenario where you're just going to be point shoot, um, you're not taking time to dial, to hold over, to do this, to do that. It's a really accurate way of doing it as long as you match your game with your setup. You know, you like, there's no point going, Oh, yeah, this will be for deer and giving it quite a larger, you know, sort of kill zone and then shooting rabbits with it, expecting the results to correlate because. It's not going to happen. It's exactly right. <laughs> so um, as long as you're setting it up with the with the, the minimum game in mind. So if you're going to go and set up a spotlighting rifle and you, you set it up and you, you know you're going to see a lot of rabbits, set it up based around a rabbit because it'll be fine on a fox. In mm. fact, you'll probably get a bit more out of it on a fox right. than you would of the rabbit. So, uh, Tom, that's that's a really sensible way to do it. Um, you see that on, on deer <laughs> guns and all sorts of stuff that are point and shoot. But to come back to sort of the comp rifle stuff and and the long range sort of gear, um, what do you zero your gun at, Andy?
0: Yeah, just I I have even my hunting ones at hundred. Yep. Um, mind you, they've they're all adjustable. Um, mm-hmm. but when I do go out spotlighting, I know that my zero stops at a hundred, and mm-hmm. then while I'm at spotlighting, I'll just wind that up a couple of clicks to, yeah, maybe. Maybe one MOA. You're probably
2: I'll, doing the same thing, aren't you? Yeah. Which pretty is much.
0: effectively zeroing at about two hundred, I think. Yeah. And that way, I know I've got my solid one hundred, and then at night time, I just a few clicks up, I put the cap back on, I leave it, and I know that I'm going to be pretty well spot on. So.
2: So you're probably actually using that same theory without actually exactly. realizing you're using that yeah. theory.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I'm a genius. <laughs> I just <laughs> like.
2: I just do yeah. this. Sh- all day. <laughs> this is just your thing, mate. Yeah. Just, just being so smart. Yep Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, you, so your comp gun's hundred. Why are yeah. you zero at a hundred? Um. It becomes a big question. Oh,
0: I think that's where the papers set up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the
1: laziest uh, answer I've right heard in a while. That's uh, <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> that's. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Why have you guys got a ninety-three meter zero, Hertz? Uh, that's just where, where the papers paper couldn't, <laughs> couldn't. be uh, couldn't be bothered walking any further couldn't <laughs> you have that
1: at the high place it was like
2: 90 it creeped it creeped yeah. when, when we built the bigger bigger mound there it creeped down to about 98 meters yeah yep. yeah and so yeah it was a 98 meter zero that's the, that is correct um yeah i mean yeah but i think Bronny, you covered it pretty well in terms of why do you why 100 meters because this mm. takes out so many variables it's mm. a it's a real it's an easy way to zero and guarantee it i mean certainly guys shoot it uh, zero to Zero two hundred meters, but in comps you would sometimes find that you engage a hundred meter paper target. Yeah, you know, it's it's certainly I know Butters has done that in the, in the Darwin, Darwin comps. with a yep. dartboard from memory. Yep, mm. absolutely. So you certainly do see, um, you certainly do see uh, that sort of stuff. So having having that brought down to the minimum distance is is can be really important. I think the more important thing is that you know where your zero is mm. and that you know how to adjust off of it to. Accommodate whatever you may engage. And
1: a very, very close second would be you have an actual proper zero, not a off shot two shots they went about the same spot. That must be my zero.
2: What's wrong with that? <laughs> Good <laughs> luck with that one. <laughs> hey, I came fifth in a match with, on that basis on the weekend. I mean, <laughs> technically third. Technically third. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's where the whole <laughs> argument around the you know, you don't actually have a zero until you fired ten shots and they all went. Yeah.
2: That's, that's fair, yeah. Absolutely, Well we'll get into group sizes one day, maybe. <laughs> Talk yeah. about how many we're shots class shooters <laughs> are we? <laughs> Who knows? So I did uh, just before before we got underway tonight. I did do a uh, a post up on uh, on Facebook, or oh, I planned to post. So let's have a look at the results here. So I, I asked our general Facebook population uh, where they zero the rifle, because um, we were tackling that tonight. Um, so we had. What are you laughing at? Manny?
0: Oh, I just the, you, you.
2: The gifts, gifts yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we had 54 out of 69 hundred meters. Mm. Anyone surprised by that number? No. 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 Probably more of our audience are, you know, shoot a fair bit of competition sort of stuff than, and yeah, plenty hunt, but probably more do the comp stuff. Mm. We had 15 who zeroed there somewhere else. Now, I just noticed that, um, that Steve has commented that somewhere else. I reckon he's commented that because he doesn't know where his zeros are. How um, are <laughs> we <were> so <laughs> choosing something else? He
1: might have been referring to a pistol or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so a couple of comments from some guys here. Um, Kieran, uh, regular regular um, friend of the podcast, 100 metres for fire rifles, 50 metres for rim fire rifles. Well, that's a good point. We'll come back to that. Um, Brendan's uh, depends on the rifle's use. I think correct answer, mate. Comp gun is 100 metres. When we're well, hunting, varmint guns are zeroed at further ranges for more practical use. Uh, exactly I what you we with talk him. about. Uh, Paul, it's not clear cut. It's at 100 metres. It depends on rifle and calibre. Yeah, cool. Maybe tell us what you're doing. But, but you know, right idea, mate. Uh, Zach, uh, 223, 243, 150. 300 win mag, zero is 250. Mm. Zach is very much a hunter. Uh, mm. No Zach. And so those, those distances seem... Logical, sensible. Yeah. Uh, Marty, uh, my flattest, is at 175. So, again, he's chasing that same same principle, it's not working out where it, where it would suit. Uh, Trav Harris, this will be a sensible answer. Most of the time, I zero my rifle at the local range, However, you used a couple of hunting properties to check zero. Trav, mm. where do you zero your... I guess I asked the question wrong, didn't <laughs> I? Where do you zero your rifle? Okay. classic. Trav. Trav, Trav, go back to riding matches, mate. Just, Just... Keep off Facebook, perhaps. It's uh, enough internet for today. <laughs> <laughs> that is enough internet today for you, Trav. Um, the rimfire question. Uh, you, you boys all have rimfires to some degree. Bronte sort of has a rimfire, maybe. Might uh. even have a zero on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Annie, what do you what do you do with your rimfire?
0: Yeah, just fifty meters. Fifty um, meters. Yep. Not sure why. It's just
2: yeah, it's same reasons as your hundred meters. Where the people. <laughs> How much? How many pieces of paper have you got? One at <laughs> fifty meters and one at a hundred meters, obviously. Okay, two pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you zero your centre fire at fifty or your rim fire at a <laughs> hundred? It's, it's not, not that
0: stupid a question, really. <laughs>
2: it's where the paper was, mate. All right. Anyway, uh, Bronte, what about oh, you? Environmental Sorry. effects,
0: really. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Let's be honest.
2: You're <laughs> just making that up. You don't even know what the environment is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um this is uh it's gone downhill. Um Bronny, rimfire, your fifty meter, if you were ever to shoot rimfire apart from just borrowing someone's gun. What was the gun that you used on the weekend? Was that fifty meter zero or did you not work it out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, say it was a
1: second focal plane MOA scope that was on it. Good. Um unfortunately most of the targets were all at the same distance for a stage uh, as in like all the targets oh, on the okay. stage mm-hmm. were at the same distance yeah, yeah. and um, yeah Simon kind of dealt with most of that <laughs> <laughs> I, from I think it was a zeroed at about
2: 40-ish yep. 45 metres yep. um, uh, yeah I, I've noticed a bit of a trend in the rimfire side of things a lot of guys are doing doing 40 metres zero um, and I think it's it's keeping it a bit more in balance than 100 metre on a rim, on a fire and 40 on a Rim fire because a lot of the a lot of those targets start at about forty meters. I think. <sighs> that particularly in the PRC side of things, it does seem to be a little bit of a closer zero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Frank
1: Galley did a thing about it. I remember reading a year or two ago where oh, he yeah. worked out what in his idea of what the perfect um, rim fire distances zero. Yep, was to to simulate your center fire. Okay, but you know, it was his, his Do you remember what it was? was? No, no. Okay, but it was it was focused primarily about training for wind, because he sort of mm-hmm. found that you know his holds relative on different you know, you know, five hundred meter hold was equivalent to you know seventy seven yeah. meters and ninety five meters was X or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, which was quite an interesting article at the time. But I didn't have a twenty two, so I moved on. <laughs> I can't. I can't see it quickly. It's um, on Sniper's Hide. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but it was a. It was a, It was a very good article. Good article.
2: All right. We'll find it and we'll link it somewhere. Um, we'll, we'll we'll put it up. I'm. I'm not sure I can find it quickly. Um, anyway, we'll we'll get onto that. We'll get onto that one day, eventually. Good. All right. Um. Tom. I. Th- I think. I hope we've have, we've have given some more context and clarity around your question. If not, confused uh, you. Yeah, oh, I'm okay with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully um, we would agree with point number three that you made is the best zero distance, a function of round and purpose. Yep. And the, the feedback on Facebook is, is backing up what we were trying to say mm-hmm. and, uh, and our experience will show that. I mean, Andy, come and d- destroy us. Come on. No, no, I'm just saying, well,
0: <laughs> I mean, I've, I've ran with a guy out spotlighting and he shot a cardboard box with one shot and he goes, okay, it's hitting there, so I'll aim at that same point and see, you know, you take one shot and then that's your aiming hold. Yep. And then he's like, okay, it's about three inches low and two inches left. That will be my hold for tonight. Yep. And just ran with it. Um, but I think just get your 100 metre zero locked in, and then from there if you'd like to dial up to your 200 or 175 or whatever, you can. Mm. And you just yeah play with it. But at least knowing that you've got that solid 100 metre, if you ever need to go back to it, is handy.
2: I remember years and years ago, without um, when I didn't have guns, my dad had guns, and I just got my license. And I'd borrow his guns, and you know, didn't want to play with, didn't understand scopes, didn't want to play with mm. with dad's scopes. So it was always like, a, oh yeah, it's, it's shooting low and left, so I'll just aim a bit high and right, and hey, oh, there we go, we start hitting the target. That's it, and that's uh, that's what you that's what you did until you go. Oh, hang on! You can actually adjust scopes, and it's it yeah, those problems. little knob things, are for. Yeah. Okay. All right. Especially when you own your own gun, and mm. that's when it's a bit easier to do. Yeah, yeah. But I don't yeah. think you're
1: an orphan in that, because I know I was the same. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I would get a different batch of ammo or whatever it was, and you'd, you know, mm. get up on the back of the Oh yeah, shot at that rock. Oh yeah, it was a bit low. All right, no worries. Away or we a go. A bit
2: to the left, and uh, we'll see how we go. Yeah, but uh, certainly have, have done that in comps as well. But anyway, that's another <laughs> story. That's another story. You're not the only one there, <laughs> too. Yeah. Nick Halliwell. Sorry. Um, <laughs> or when you break a scope. <laughs> I break scope rings one night. One night we're Spotlight. And I break... But were they, like, the proper scope rings, or... They were definitely round. To start yeah. with. Ish? Ish. Possibly. Or, I break yeah. one, and so I ran I ran the rest of the night Spotlight. It was only 22, so I ran um, the rest. I mean, two, uh, two to three, sorry, two to three, uh... Ish, um, it was a low power two to three without the three on it. and and I just ran one ring for the rest of the night and still hit stuff mostly. Yeah, but I was only cable toss. No, no, the no it was two to you. three. Yeah, anyway, all right, all right, well, on that note, on that note, we uh, we shall finish up, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for jumping on board, and uh, and we will do this again sometime soon. Nice. Cheers. Nice. See you later. Hello, Patreon supporters. Uh, this is a little bonus bit for you guys. Uh, thanks for supporting us and doing your thing. It's awesome to have you on board. Um, so uh, I uh, I have a story about not having a very good zero or not having a zero. is probably more to the point. We were up in the Flinders Ranges years ago. Oh, the other guys are here still. Brandy, Yep, yep. Uh, We were up in the Flinders years ago, and uh, I was going to shoot uh, shoot a goat, and I was going to shoot. A long way away. Well, that time, it was a long way away. I was going to set a new record for me, which was around the 730-metre mark it was going to be. That's a good distance, distance. Yeah, it was good, good good, a good, good start. So I uh, we'd, we'd been out spotlighting all night. We arrived on the property about one in the morning, spotlighted all night, and this was now about eight in the morning. We were cooking breakfast before we went to sleep. And and I'm by the hut, and and there were these goats up on the side of the hill. And I'm like, oh, Cool. Uh, you yeah, know, might give this a go. So we got rangefinder out, ranged it in about seven thirty or de- details, details, whatever. And I went, oh, okay, cool. Grab my turret, started whining it around, and then realised, actually, I'm not sure. Um, oh, hang on. <laughs> oh, that. I'm not sure if that was on zero or not. So, wound it back, expecting the zero stop to engage and to, to bottom out, and it kept going and kept going and kept going. I'm like, "Oh dear, <laughs> this <laughs> this has not gone well." <laughs> um, I uh, I have not got a zero on this gun, and I have <laughs> no idea where it was or what it was doing or anything. But there's these goats up there that I don't want to let them get away, and you know, I've got an opportunity here, so all right. Hey, uh, Jordan, can you spot for me? Oh, Jesus, <laughs> yep.
1: So, you right? just
2: know the story's gone down here with involved. I was still there though. Um, so, we, what we noticed is that these of goats were up on the on the side of the hill, uh, but the, the 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 other side, like off to the the left of them, um, it was big and open and fairly not horizontal, but a fairly sort of flattish, you know, to the point where we could get good drop off that. And I thought, well, you know what? If the bullets are hitting there and they run away, so be it, right? I'm not going to aim at one of them to try and get a zero. That's not, that's not right. But I can aim 50 meters off to the left, maybe 100 meters off to the left. If they run away, they run away. So I thought, oh well, let's have a guess here. Pulled around and uh, and off off the bullet went. And it. I don't remember. It hit way, way off, as you'd expect. But we saw it. And I saw it through the scope, and I went, oh, all right, come up. This probably back in the MOA days, so i come up, I don't know, 10, 15 MOA, whatever it was. Wound it all up, caught it up. Shot again, and okay, that was that was in the ballpark of roughly where we were aiming. All right, someone choose a rock. That one there. Away we go. Bang. Yep, another one. I think about four or five shots into it. Um, Finally was in a position where I was shooting now, a comfortable one. I don't know what I'm doing with my hands here. A comfortable enough group at 700 to, to take a goat out, and putting two shots on that. I went, well, I've also just learnt the wind of what's happening out there, so that's really beneficial. So then I hand I, I back over and went, well, two of them are dumb enough to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> to right, well, we've we've fired off um, seven or eight rounds through the three through eight lap, and... Um, and uh, you know, let's see if we can get a couple more. So I did proceed to then lock down my zero, went across to the goats and smacked two of them. And, nice. uh, we went up there and they were as dead as dead can be. And, uh, I was very happy with that recovery from no zero, um, I don't think I'd be able to do that again. I think I think that just <laughs> clearly that your luck. Oh the wind with the wind must have been blowing the right way or anything on those lines. So yes, you uh you don't always have to have a good zero to go hunting. Mm. But I highly recommend you do. Nice one. percent Andy, any any zero less stories? Yeah, I've got a, a couple um Oh, set yourself one, in, boys. Set yourself in. No, one, one's
0: just a quick one which some people might might find um in like a rimfire match or something. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't got a rev. Uh, like a rotation indicator thing, yep. indicator or anything oh, yes um, <laughs> no, so no where this is going. yeah so I've dialed up on the I think three or f- it must be about three 300 meter target yep um, started winding it back down and lost count and then um, <laughs> I think what I did was just the easiest sort of okay just do a quick bore bore sight at about 25 30 meters mm-hmm. and that got me on and I was about one and a half revs low so that was a quick save. If you're ever like in doubt, I mean, you should be able to see if you're full rotation out just by bore sighting it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah so if yeah, you're on yeah. zero and you're not sure and you bore sight it and you're like, oh, that's way off, then you should be able to tell. Should be able to tell. Yeah. Good.
2: Good tactic. I like it.
0: My yeah. other one is like if you're ever after a good boost of confidence, um, and you got like, have
2: Brunty shoot you off when nearly beat <laughs> you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean like yeah. If, if you want a bit of a, a bit of if you had a low day and you want a bit of an up. Um, and you've got friends around and you're like, oh, hey, shoot my gun, see what you think. If they're, like, you know, new to the sort of sport. Mm.
2: Just, Turn
0: the windage one rotation. <laughs> yeah, just just crank one of the knobs. And obviously, obviously, you'll know where it's shooting and you'll be like, just hold high or low and, like, you'll hit the targets, but you give them to your friends and they're, like, got no idea.
2: I'm glad I'm glad this is on Patreon because that's a, that's advice that's that a you need to pay act. for. You really need to pay for that sort of information. And then they'll, like... Oh, what's going on? I didn't think it would be this hard. And you're yeah. like, it's easy, ping, ping, ping. <laughs> so that that reminds me of a story back when we we're doing uh, southern shooters, doing sort of public shooting range, and, and we're dealing with bucks parties, right? Oh, bucks yeah. parties are great, and so you'd have the bucks party, and and you teach them all how to shoot. They give them twenty rounds or something each, and they all go through and hit a few targets, miss a few targets, and have a, have a, a great time. And then you go, okay, guys, you know, serious now. We're gonna have a competition. So you put the the first guy who came up, you know, had I don't know. from memory, five rounds or ten rounds or whatever it is. Uh, And that was the buck. You always make the buck go first. He'd go up and he'd shoot a few. Whether he hit or miss, you're like, well, you're in the finals anyway because it's his special day, so it doesn't really matter. He would then sit down, and and the key was he went first. So he'd be sitting down for about 40 minutes, an hour. Everyone else went through and they hit or miss, and they end up with you know a bit of a a leaderboard and who does the best and all that sort of gear. So then you'd take your, your top... 5 or 10, depending on the size of the group. And they'd go sort of head-to-head and they'd knock each other out and you'd end up down with a final of the group and then the buck. And you'd have a shoot-off. Remember, the buck hasn't shot for 40 minutes or an hour. And so you'd put them up and they'd, they'd take two shots and then go to the other person and take two shots. And the buck would come up and, uh, and you know, usually they were doing all right. You know, they are pretty excited and you'd, you'd, they'd listen to some instructions and come up and miss, miss. Oh, okay, what's going on? And then, uh, then you know, the other bloke come up and go, bang, bang, hit, hit, you know, and that would repeat for sort of 10 rounds or so. And, and every now and then the buck would hit one, maybe, you know, just, just the odd ball. They might hit one or two and the other bloke's got 10. Yeah, You know. yeah. Go, give the trophy and do all the celebrations, all sort of gear. And then you'd slip the best man the cases of what the bucket had which said blank on the side. And you're yes. like, later tonight. You just show him them, and you just reveal to him why he, uh, why he couldn't hit anything, and uh, and the best man would be <laughs> pissing himself <laughs> laughing. I <laughs> said, so make sure you don't tell the buck, and you tell everyone else until he knows. Nice. And, and of course, yeah. it, we'd actually generally prep that group, so all the guys were in on it except for the buck when he's missing. And they're like, come on, man, try harder, you're yeah. <laughs> And, of course, he'd slip one or two good ones in there so he would actually hit something. So mm. he's like,
1: what's going oh, on here? <laughs> can't be me. Hey. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I, I did get a few stories back where, yeah, he's had like 20 drinks for the night and then they revealed he was shooting blanks and then they'd make jokes about his wedding <laughs> night and all that. It was a ball. It was a ball. That's great. Yeah, anyway, that's not to do with zeros at all. But, oh, I guess that was his score. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably Doughnuts. Probably relevant. Yeah. Any any less times so for you, Bronte? Have you have you, or uh, you've just always had a perfect zero because you're actually an organised bloke who cares about how he shoots? <laughs> I
1: generally
2: try to have a pretty good zero. Yeah.
1: Um, it's always within Coo-E. Uh You know, okay. you know, different batch of ammo might be slightly off, but it's always within yeah practical tolerances. Like I said, one time in a competition. Um, I had my rifle fell over and took a pretty substantial whack on the uh, concrete bench. Oh, that would not help. Me. <laughs> no, it didn't help, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, you, who would have thought that, yeah, you know, smacking you know, a oak <laughs> on a concrete bench isn't good for it. <laughs> um, Amazing. So I thought it'd be really smart. Yeah. Because the next stage, everyone was kind of sucking at and quite low scoring. Yep. And there's this beautiful, clean fox target that was obviously for the next day <laughs> <laughs> that was freshly painted, not a mark on it at about 150 metres. I'm like, yep. hey, i get a plan here. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured I'll stuff that stage. I'll just shoot the fox yep. um, to get my zero back, which
2: worked. It, it's a sensible, yeah. It
1: was great, <laughs> except <laughs> I didn't realise there was a bit rattling around in the scope. So every time I touched the turret, uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Four foot down onto a concrete might might do that from time to time. Hey, the mounts didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> Got to trust good spur mount. Good. Yeah, well, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So, guys, if you're listening and you've had bad zeros, it happens. It happens. And uh, I've seen more people than I'd like to uh, mention, although quite often the same person, who... Um, In comps, lose their zero and then have to spend two or three stages trying to chase it and find it back. The worst Um, part
1: is that guy can actually shoot shoot and does reasonably well (laughs) when he actually has his shit organised, which is pretty (laughs) rare. But he does do well when he does.
2: Yeah, yeah. Although, having said that, um, there are a couple of guys who are pretty notorious for it. So we we may not have narrowed that down. But anyway, there are a few guys out there who certainly do – they do lose a zero, rock up to a match without a zero – or one of the classics. Uh, I remember this from from back in the private comp days. They're like, oh, yeah, so I just need to zero up first. You're like, mate, match starts in like 30 seconds and there's no opportunity to shoot. Oh, I didn't Uh, know that. It was in every email I sent you. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Or that, yeah, PRS. They're like, oh, it's Saturday morning. Can I just zero my gun? Sure. Stage one, you can. (laughs) 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 And maybe stage two as well. Yeah. Mm. Oh, anyway,
1: that's all right. I have actually collected um, velocity data mid-stage once before.
2: I seem to remember that. Because I broke my gun, Yeah,
1: which is a fairly not, common thing. Not a surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny how nobody seems to be shocked at that. Part. One one day we'll get into all your, uh, your troubles of guns. Yeah, I'm good at breaking things.
2: Yeah, although that, your, your name's not Scott, so... Um, you know, maybe you should change it to Scott, because then you'd fit in with all the other Scots that continually have problems with guns. Anyway. Maybe they should change their name. You, I reckon you're right. I reckon there needs to be more Bronties in the world. No, there doesn't. <laughs> 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 There's oh. a
1: reason I don't want to have kids. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, don't, you don't have to give them the same name. <laughs> no, but it's, yeah, the lineage.
0: <laughs> okay. It's in the genetics. I don't know if oh, you know it's, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: how names are worked out. Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, you had a uh, you, yeah. You clicked, I had to, had yeah, to put a Chronograph the, stick the on. on, stick
1: the crony on there because yeah. I was changing um, rifles mid competition <laughs> and didn't have any drop data for that particular rifle. So yeah, stick the crony on there and how'd it go? Recovered? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because the, the first it's two when, shots. When, of when Brandy that, goes, I won. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I think I finished like top three or four. Yeah, right. Um, which I thought was pretty good considering I swapped. Yeah. Rifles halfway through. And with no data. Yeah, well, basically, it was that particular stage. The first two shots of that stage were prone. (laughs) (laughs) So at like 500 metres. So I'm like, ah, great opportunity to check my dope (laughs) and collect it. (laughs) And then, yeah, two shots, knock the bipod off, uh, knock the uh, crony off and shoot
2: the rest of the stage. But it worked. Good. Happy days. Happy days. Oh, there you go, you guys. So if you don't have a zero, don't worry about it. Just get stuck into it and (laughs) shoot the match anyway. Although probably, I think. Given hindsight, we'd all choose to have data and a zero. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, uh, Patreon supporters. Appreciate your support, and, uh, and we'll be back. Cheers.
1: Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by
2: Impact Dynamics.